Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday to you. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock. It's time for Tim with Tim. Gosh, I love you all. Thank you so much for uh, your just faithfulness in the word and, uh, and your partnership with me. I really, really appreciate it. I know that some of you make me an important part of your day. Not me, but you make God's word an important part of your day, and uh, you invite me to be your guide through that. And that's such an honor to me. It really, really is, and I don't take that for granted. I try to work hard. Uh, so that uh, when 10 o'clock rolls around, I've, I've got a word for you uh, from the word. And so, uh, again, thank you. I, I appreciate it. I always enjoy your comments. I always go back and read. I don't always answer or respond unless you ask me something directly. But, um, but at any rate, I really appreciate you all, all of you. Uh, those of you who are live with me right now, God bless you. Those of you who are on your lunch break or those of you who join me later at night or uh, some of you join me first thing in the morning before 10 o'clock, that's good too. Uh, whatever you choose to do. Uh, and all of you good folks who uh, spend time in the Word of God, I apologize for King Manasseh <laughs> in chapter 21. This is terrible. It's just so terrible. Uh, it's a great chapter, but gosh, King Manasseh is the most evil king uh, in Judah's history. And uh, in chapter 21, intends for you to draw that conclusion. Worse than Ahab, worse than anybody ever. Uh, so we're in 2 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 to 26, Manasseh, who of course is the king, uh, the son of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a good king. Hezekiah was good all the way around. But you notice, remember yesterday, we talked about kind of his sorry attitude where when the prophet Isaiah said, yeah, things are going to get bad later. And he said, well, you know, at least then I'll be dead. And, and, and I made a comment yesterday about the fact that, yeah, but we're talking about your son and, and your grandson. And don't forget, chapter 21, this is Hezekiah's son and grandson, and it really breaks my heart. Manasseh was 12 years old and he became king, which tells me, number one, uh, well, it tells me several things. First off, it tells me that he was born in those last 15 years of King Hezekiah's life, which means those are like the, ex the, the additional years. Remember, King Hezekiah was dying of the, of the plague uh, and God healed him, but also gave him 15 more years of life. And in those 15 years is born this king, uh, this son, whose name is Manasseh. And Manasseh uh, totally undoes everything his father ever did. Now, I'm not questioning God about giving him 15 years. I'm just saying that uh, in, in a lot of ways, uh, everybody had been better off if uh, Hezekiah had just died of the plague. You know what I mean? I, I kind of mean that. Well, I guess I do mean that. I mean, you know, it sounds harsh, but if he'd have died, then maybe Manasseh would never have been born, and then maybe uh, Judah would have never gone into this kind of apostasy, and maybe they'd never been exiled. I mean, all of this comes from Manasseh. Manasseh is the most evil king in Judah's history, and he is held responsible for the total failure of the Jerusalem establishment and the exile you know, into Babylon. And so all of that's from Manasseh. And again, born in those last 15 years of Hezekiah's life. So Hezekiah, you know, while you were saying, well, at least I'll be dead. Yeah, you will. But everything you worked so hard for, you know, is going to be totally erased by this orangutan you call a son and that you raised and unleashed into the world. Now, the other thing about this I want to say is that Manasseh is 12 years old when he becomes king and all this stuff hits the fan, you know? So, um, if he's 12 years old, uh, he's still eating Captain Crunch in his feety pajamas. I mean, he's a boy, you know, which tells me there are other forces here. There are other powers. There are other people 
pulling the strings, you know? So yeah, I know that leadership matters, but I also know that often people get the leader they deserve. And if a 12 year old King, you know, whatever, I know he grew and ends up having the longest reign of any King in Judah's history. What is it? 55 years. Uh, it's the longest reign. Um, but he starts at 12, which tells me that there are others who had agendas who probably were pushing those when this young boy was still, you know, barely old enough to, to grasp what power is. Um, and so the, the people of Israel, the people of, uh, of Judah here, they, they get what they want. Um, you know, so what I'm saying, uh, we, we blame Manasseh, but also it's, it's the people, it's the people. Because uh, a 12-year-old boy is hardly, you know, capable of doing everything that's done here in this passage. But he became capable, make no mistake. He becomes worse than the pre-Israelite, you know, Canaanites. Like the people that were driven out because they were so wicked. Like now we can officially say Judah is worse. You know, Manasseh sacrifices his own son to Molech, you know, which is like, like what? You know, he puts altars, pagan altars inside the temple, you know, like one-stop shopping. You worship whatever God you want. And, and again, it's such an abomination, you know. Um, and, and that, you know, first commandment, that's why I have no other gods before me. You know, uh, the Hebrew word there means before, but also like to obtrude, you know. And it's this idea that you, you don't put them in my face, you know. And this, you know, Manasseh carves an, an, an Asherah pole. It, uh, remember, Asherah is the... The female uh, goddess of fertility for the Canaanites, it's, it's Baal's wife, basically, or we would say Baal's consort, you know, the female goddess alongside the male god Baal. They were fertility pairing, you know, right? So it takes male and a female. Uh, so Manasseh sets up an Asherah pole right there in, in the temple of Yahweh, which suggests that like he, you know, he thought maybe Yahweh needed a wife, you, you know? So in some ways, scholars interpret this as, as Manasseh's way of giving God a consort, you know, God, God, he's got a wife now. Uh, in most cases, Asherah, you know, this Canaanite fertility goddess was worshipped through ritual prostitution. So it's not out of the question that ritual prostitution would become part of what was happening in the Jerusalem Temple, which of course is is is, is, is a nightmare. The people refuse to listen. Again, notice that's in verse 9, which again tells me it's, it's, it's Manasseh. It's not just Manasseh. He's definitely a wicked king, but, but the people are wicked, and I think they're in many ways getting exactly what they want here. And so this incredible statement of judgment, again, uh, Manasseh is, is held responsible for everything that follows in the destruction of Jerusalem and the, the, the uh, exile that goes with that. Uh, these three images here or, you know, metaphors here when it comes to judgment. I will bring such disaster on Jerusalem, verse 12, that the ears of those who hear about it will tingle with horror. Um, I, the idea there is uh, more like it's going to blow your minds. You know, it, it's it's going to make your ears ring. Uh, the Hebrew word there has to do with like a headache. You know, it, like I say, it's going to blow your mind. I think that's kind of the, the idea. It's, it, it's going to make your head explode. It's it's going to uh, make your ears ring, that sort of. Ears tingle kind of sounds like, you know, something nice. <laughs> and and the idea there's much more violent, much more much more dramatic. Um, make the ears ring. Uh, and then it goes on to say, I'll judge Jerusalem by the same measuring line and plumb line of Samaria. 
the plumb line of Samaria, you know, the measuring line, the, the plumb line. These are construction tools. But the bottom line there, the point is that Samaria, you know, worshiped other gods and then were, were expelled from the land. And so the, the point here is that you, you have the same sin as Samaria, you're going to get the same judgment as Samaria. You're going to be uh, you know, expelled from the land. And then that idea of wiping out a bowl and turning it upside down. Again, that's a picture of the land and depopulation. God's going to wipe the people out of the land, you know, just like you wipe, you know, the bowl clean and turn it upside down. It's a, it's a sign of emptiness uh, and it's devastating. Now, interestingly enough, before we move on, in Second Chronicles chapter 33, which is the parallel passage, Second Chronicles chapter 33, there is the detail that later in his life, King Manasseh is taken prisoner by the Babylonians. They put a ring in his nose, lead him away as a prisoner. And in that Babylonian prison, he repents. Now, it's too late. <laughs> it's too late to do any good for the kingdom. But there is this note that he repents. And there is a famous prayer of Manasseh, again, from Second Chronicles chapter 33, uh, but uh, Second Kings makes no note of that, and I think that's interesting. He is followed very briefly by his own son, uh, Ammon. 22 years old, when he takes the throne, he's only a king for two years. He is assassinated, and then, uh, of course, his son, Josiah, takes the throne. Josiah, again, it's amazing to me how, uh, how just, you know, rarely... You can have a king like Hezekiah who has this terrible son, you know, who follows him. But then Ammon is as bad as his daddy. But then Josiah is born. And it's like, did they get the babies mixed up at the hospital? Josiah is this amazing, uh, amazing young man. For me, it just underlines that importance of parenting. I mean, not to, you know, just boil it down to that. But um, but just this idea that all of Hezekiah's reforms, this revival, this amazing religious, you know, um, climate that, that, that he creates is gone, you know, in a generation. And I frequently say here at Woodburn as pastor that our church, all churches are literally always one generation away from extinction. You know, if, if we don't manage to pass on our values, our faith to our children, it's all over. It's gone in a generation, and, and that's the importance. Hezekiah, no matter what else he did, you know, the most significant thing he did was give the world his son Manasseh, who undid everything good he ever did, you know, which just means the most important contribution you may make to the world is not something you do, but somebody you raise. You, you understand that? Not something you do, but somebody you raise. Maybe the most important thing that you end up contributing to the world, and I think that's true for Hezekiah. Uh, and it's definitely true for Manasseh and, and Ammon. Josiah is a wonderful king, and we'll get to him tomorrow in, in chapter 22. So tomorrow, 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 1 through 20. Uh, I love you guys. Have a good Thursday. Uh, thanks for being in the Word with me, and I'll see you in the morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for 10 with Tim. Have a good day.